In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning in the Gospel reading, we hear two very important attributes of our Lord. First, that He is the Healer. We have Him teaching in the synagogue, and He heals a woman who has been infirm, it says, for 18 years. And she's bent over, and she can't even uh, stand up straight. And yet our Lord is able to heal her from that infirmity. And the second thing that we have about Christ, aside from the fact that he is the healer, that Christ is the one who brings, and he himself actually is, as he says in the Gospel of John, truth. That he brings truth even when it seems like the rest of the world might be against it. Because the leader of the synagogue was very upset that Jesus had healed this woman on the Sabbath day. And he does it in such a way that the people there, it says, rejoice because of the glorious things that Jesus had done. Now, these two very important attributes about who Christ, uh, who Christ is, the healer and the bold proclaimer of the truth, it's very good that we have those two attributes being brought forth specifically today, because today in the church we are celebrating the feast of St. Nicholas, Archbishop of Myra and Lycia, the Wonder Worker. And his icon, of course, is right here in the middle uh, of that first a set of three saints there. And St. Nicholas really lives out these two very important attributes about Christ as the healer. He's called the wonder worker. So he was uh, known for his, his ability to heal by the grace of God. And he was also known uh, to be able to uh, proclaim and defend the truth when he needed to, even when it seemed like the rest of the world was against him. So uh, St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas was born in the uh, sec- late 2nd century, and he lived 3rd uh, century, and he lived on into the 4th century as well. Uh, and at that time, when St. Nicholas was born, uh, Christianity was not an accepted religion in the Roman Empire. And there were times it kind of waxed and waned, and whether or not there were persecutions that were happening, it depended on who was the emperor at that time. And it seems like that at the time when uh, Nicholas was born, it was a time of relative calm and peace for the Christians. Uh, Nicholas's uncle, also named Nicholas, and also who we celebrate today, if you were uh, paying attention during Orthros, uh, we uh, listed his name as well. His uncle, Nicholas, was the bishop of the city, Patara. Uh, And he was able to teach uh, and help Nicholas to grow up in his faith in the church. And as a young man, he was tonsured as a reader, so he helped out in the services of the church. And then when he came of age, he was ordained as a priest to be able to help his uncle uh, to shepherd the flock of the city uh, there in Patara. And it was really as a young priest that Nicholas, perhaps the most famous story that we know about uh, St. Nicholas, uh, his generosity was made well known. His family had been extremely rich, and when his parents died and he had his inheritance, he found ways to give it away. And, the, of course, the most famous story is the man who had the three daughters, and they each needed money to be able to have a dowry, and uh, Nicholas was able to secretively, for most of the time, give the money to the father so that his daughters could have their dowry. Now, I won't say any much more about that. Our teens did their St. Nicholas play yesterday and recorded it, and it will be available on our YouTube channel, even though we didn't, uh, weren't able to do the play last night. So you'll see that story acted out later on. 
But St. Nicholas also was just a kind, generous, uh, and, and compassionate pastor. And he went on a, a trip once to Jerusalem. He wanted to take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And to get from where he was in Patara to Jerusalem, he had to uh, take a boat. And the story is that he was on the boat and a great storm came up and a man was even thrown overboard off of the ship. And St. Nicholas offered his prayers and by his prayers the storm was calmed and the man who was thrown overboard was even found and recovered uh, and able to complete the journey as well. When St. Nicholas got to Jerusalem, he actually wanted to stay there. He wanted to stay at the holy sites and the places, uh, the, he wanted to walk the same places that our Lord walked. But as he was there and he was contemplating staying, he heard a voice that told him, Nicholas, if you are to follow me, you are going, uh, your vineyard is elsewhere. Go back home. And so he listened to the voice and he went home. And it was around that time when he went home that actually the archbishop of the area was uh, reposed. And so all of the bishops in that little area were trying to figure out who was going to be their new archbishop. And one of the elder bishops uh, had a vision that the first person who would go to the church the next morning, his name would be Nicholas, and he would be the one who should be the next archbishop. And so this elderly bishop didn't want to miss this person, and so he slept in the church. And sure enough, the next morning, the young priest Nicholas was the first one to get there, and the... Uh, that was the sign that he would to be made their archbishop. And so he became the archbishop of Myra and Lycia at that time. Now, I'd mentioned that uh, there were kind of ups and downs about persecution, and it was about the time that St. Nicholas was actually made the archbishop that persecutions were elevated. There's a new emperor, and so he had to defend the faith in a very powerful way. And in fact, he found himself in prison. And he was imprisoned with a number of people in his flock, and he uh, was tortured there, deprived of, of all of the, the worldly material things that we uh, could think of. And yet he was there to encourage and ensure that the people, especially those in prison, but even those out of the prison who were still attempting to maintain their faith, that they were encouraged by his witness and his example. And he was able to do that from the prison. Well, thanks be to God, uh, he uh, was released from prison because, as I said, as new emperors come in, uh, new policies, and Constantine became the emperor. And when Christianity became a legal religion in the Roman Empire, uh, Nicholas was released from prison and able to return to shepherd his flock. And there are some wonderful stories of his being able to, by his prayers, help his people in the midst of famine. There are wonderful stories about his being able to uh, heal the sick and minister to people through this, this uh, wonder-working ability that God gave him uh, throughout his ministry. And of course, he was a very bold defender of the faith throughout that time. He was, uh, he was not only willing to be arrested, but he was called to go to the first ecumenical council in Nicaea with the great uh, members of our church like St. Spiridon, whose icon is back there in the back, and St. Athanasius, whose icon is behind me there in the apse of the church. And he went to the, the first ecumenical council to defend the faith and the person of Jesus Christ against the heresy of Arianism. Because Arius said that Jesus Christ was not fully and completely God, and he said he wasn't even fully and completely man. Somewhere in between. 
Well, I'm sure some of you might be able to relate that when you get into an argument with someone, you get frustrated when they refuse to listen to your side of the argument. Well, Nicholas was frustrated. And the story even goes that he even slapped Arius in the midst of the council. And he was asked to leave the council because of uh, this outburst that he had. And he spent a few days away from the council until uh, some of the hierarchs of the council had a vision where the mother of God came and gave the Episcopal vestments back to Nicholas, showing that, well, he might have been wrong to slap Arius. It's not a good thing to do that. He was still defending the faith and to forgive him and to bring him back into the fold. St. Nicholas then lived the rest of his life, I think the Synaxarian said this morning, until about 343. So he lived a very long life, and he actually died uh, a very peaceful life, uh, peaceful repose as well. But he stands before us today as one of the most beloved saints, not only in Orthodoxy, but likely throughout all of Christianity. That most everyone that you would know would at least have probably heard of St. Nicholas, even if they don't know the real story. But I'd wager that he's in at least the top two uh, Orthodox uh, saints who have the most churches named after him. Not that it's a competition, but I would say that St. Nicholas is likely in the top two, St. George being the other one. Uh, of churches that are named for him because of the great witness and example that he gives to all of the faithful. And he gives that great witness and example for us today. Because as a wonder worker, we need to be reminded that not only did the miracles of Christ happen in the scriptures, as we heard this morning, but they happen through the holy ones in the church as well, like St. Nicholas. And they continue to happen even to today. St. Nicholas is not the great exception of saints. There are a lot of miracle workers in the, in the church who are saints, who are some of them on these walls. And I guarantee you that there are miracle workers even alive today that our Lord still works miracles and healings. And we need to have that remembrance as we go throughout our life, as we go throughout our days, so that we can remember that our Lord is in the business of healing, that our Lord is the wonder worker himself, and we need to remember that. Of course, we also need the reminder that it is our obligation and our duty as Christians to stand up for truth, even when it seems like the rest of the world might be turned against us. We likely won't end up in prison like Nicholas. We likely won't be martyred like many of the other martyrs throughout the history of the church. But we will find ourselves in situations where we need to stand up for the faith of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and who he is. And so we need the example of St. Nicholas to be able to stand before us and to be able to show us exactly what that looks like. And so, brothers and sisters, on this great feast where we celebrate the memory of one of the most uh, uh, famous saints throughout the the entire history of the church, St. Nicholas, may he pray for us and may he help us to remember the wonder-working powers of our Lord. And I would encourage you to still ask for the prayers of St. Nicholas because he is still able to work miracles even now as that wonder-worker. And may he pray for us to be able to stand up for our faith and to be able to stand up for Christ in the midst of whatever situation we find ourselves so that we can know that the one thing that is the most important is our Lord, is the truth of Christ and his resurrection. May St. Nicholas pray for us and may we experience those miracles 
and stand fast in the truth, just as he did. Glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.